Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 29 of the Hobby Heroes Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. We're recording this on August 14th, the day before it's due out. I am joined by good friends of the show, Chuck Jardina, previous co-host with me of the Wallcast. How are you tonight, Chuck? Doing great. And I am joined by John Yazik uh, from the Unstable Dice Podcast. John, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So... This episode is predominantly going to be us talking about the Siege World GT in St. Louis uh, that we're both, all three of us are going to be attending here on the weekend of August 25th and 26th. But before we get to that, I mean, just, you know, don't run everything over. Chuck, don't run FlatCon over because I'm going to be, you're you're pretty much going to be the next month's episode. So just like, what, Chuck, what have you been up to hobby-wise? Anything? Um, so just hobby-wise, uh, finished out a couple new units of Stormcast, uh, ordered the Endless Spells through um, eBay, and uh, got a DSRKM um, kind of assembled, and uh, I put a guy together on top of it, nothing specific, uh, just symbolic of, you know, a Death Exorcist, or Lord Exorcist sitting in the throne, um, and then working on a ton of terrain for Flatcon, so... Um, and uh, in addition to the terrain for like 40k for two of the tables, got that mostly primed, base coated, and then a new display uh, for the Stormcast for Siege World. So I have been working on things for the actual event we're all going to. Any games recently? Uh, y- yes. So um, game-wise, been practicing at 2,000 points uh, for the Stormcast uh, again for Siege World to see if I need to be looking at an Alpha Strike list or a um, shooting list with more, like, shooting and magic involved with it. Right on. Uh, John, what about you, hobby-wise, games-wise? Hobby-wise, I am right now still assembling what I need for Siege World, so I am uh, going to be part of that 50% that's playing Night Haunts, it looks like, <laughs> uh, in a couple of weeks. But uh, So I've been uh, getting together... As many uh, Grimwrath, uh, Grim Reaper, or whatever they're called, Grimwrath Reapers, whatever they're called, the the new uh, improved uh, carrion race, if you will, the Grim Gas Reapers. So working on those, just getting everything ready to play for the for Siege World, and then uh, hobby wise or game wise, we still have our league going here in Plainfield. So we're in the final phase of it it was a three-phase league so we're right now up to a thousand points we're getting our thousand point games in i've been playing legion of sacrament as opposed to night haunt purely because i started with a uh, battle line of skeletons so i at a thousand points i'll be shifting over to night haunts because you could stay within your grand alliance so i'm death so i could play any faction within death so i'll be getting to try those that out uh, so far i'm on four but all my games have actually been pretty close as we as we've gone through each of the phases. So I'm actually pretty happy with how the army's played so far. But obviously, gonna have to have a couple learning curves with it being the Night Haunt faction and a thousand points now in this final step of the league. Right on. Uh, myself, I've got a couple of one thousand point practice games in with my Gutbusters list that I'm gonna be taking to Siege World. Uh, both of those games went well in my favor, but they're both against the newer guys that are uh, in our area. We're doing a thousand point games all the time, so I went ahead and took it. And I warned him ahead of time. I was like, I don't know whether this list is going to be good or bad, honestly. And it turned out it did really well against them. Um, have not practiced my two thousand point list. I will probably be going into Siege World with zero games of that under my belt. So kind of like last year, just kind of you know uh, running by the seat of my pants. 
Uh, Hobby-wise, I've been painting the ogres for the Gutbusters list because I didn't own ogres before a week ago, and I need seven of them painted for Siege World. So just working on those, and, and that's it. Not, not a lot for me. But let's go ahead and get into Siege World. So first off, obviously, we're going to plug them. Uh, the term is going to be August 25th and 26th. That's Saturday, Sunday at the North County Recreational Complex in St. Louis. 25th is going to be a 2,000-point Age of Sigmar. And then 26th is a 1,000-point Age of Sigmar. So two events, pretty nice. And we are attending both events, all three of us, correct? That's correct. Yes. All right, so... Let's, uh, I think most of this we're going to dedicate, let's go over some rules. So we've got the rules pack in hand. You're talking 2,000 points uh, using GHB 2018, most recent Forge World publications, Malign Sorcery rule books. Uh, so, I mean, they're basically using all the damn books. You must use the most up-to-date printed and digital versions of your War Scroll, including Forge World. No issues there, yeah. Only one that uh, I actually haven't gotten an answer yet on is that they did release for Night Haunts a, a store uh, anniversary. Excuse me, I can't even talk this evening. It's an anniversary model uh, for the Night Haunts. It's the Guardian of Souls with the Nightmare Lantern or some kind of lantern. It's different from the one that came in the starter set. It actually has a completely different War Scroll and match play points. So uh -oh. technically it doesn't, and you can only get those rules... If you buy the model, but I got a copy of the rules, I converted up the model, so now I'm just waiting for the okay to bring it. So that's that's the only discrepancy that I know of. <laughs> well, he's broken. Yeah, here's John. Uh, I, there's points. Can I use it? Well, it says you must use the latest up-to-date printed and digital versions of your scrolls. I mean, I don't see why it wouldn't be legal. Yeah, I don't. I think it'll be fine, but it's yeah, it's just it's kind of an oddball that uh, happened to to roll out in the last two weeks. And they may nix it though, because aren't there a bunch of like War Scroll battalions that come in those box sets that aren't technically legal by match play standards? Yeah, see, it's it's the Night Haunt stuff in particular is kind of screwy because in the back of the box set they had points with minimum and maximum unit sizes, and then at the same day the GHB 2018 came out and pretty much negated what was in the box set. So uh, I think, yeah, there, there's going to probably be some other ones. I think most guys, though, aren't digging as deep as, say, I or Chuck M. Or it would be Chuck and I am. I, with the, we're using proper English. Ah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just for the record, just I, I feel, Joe, I can do this on your show. Uh, I just need to establish that the only reason I'm not bringing in Famir is that my order from Fortral has not arrived yet. Nice, very nice. I know you were uh, you were pretty excited when they announced that they put Battle Line on that thing. Oh, sweet baby Jesus! That just made my whole day. I I, I was like a little schoolgirl screaming. If they had a camera on me, it would have had a million hits by now. Here's a question: I'm, Where do they fall in the Grand Alliance structure? They're moved to destruction. They've been chaos oh. all through the fantasy days, but when Age of Sigmar rolled out, they moved over to destruction. Mm. Interesting. And, yeah, so they're kind of in a little bit of a strange place, I would say, but at the same time, I think it's a better niche for them. I don't think you'd ever see them get played in Chaos, because just frankly, Chaos has so much other stuff that's better, but when you look at what the Femira can do against the new or Destruction currently, they do have a nice little niche with their minus one to hit them from shooting, and their... Mm -hmm. I, 
Mm. What is it? Minus two rend weapons, two damage weapons that have a two inch range, and they heal every turn. So they've got some nice buffs for destruction list. But yeah, within the scheme of, of chaos, I just don't think they would be nearly as useful anymore. Right on. So uh, next up on the rules docket is uh, going in line with the FAQ. Your allegiance must be stated on your army list. So, and I didn't even realize this was an issue, but apparently there were some tournaments where people would pick their allegiance at the start of a game. So if it behooved them to say, I'm Grand Alliance Order, or I am Dispossessed, for instance, they would switch at the beginning of games. Well, now they're saying if you're, if you can be an allegiance, you have to be the allegiance. And this is just, yeah. you know, them backing that statement up. I, I would assume that was only dwarf players that did that. I um, doubt it very much. In fact, I think it was uh, Stormcast that were doing it a lot. I'm just kidding, I'm kidding because you play the dwarves. I know. <laughs> Getting my goat. Um, I mean, it, obviously, this is probably one of those things from the core book, I would imagine, or first edition that carried over where people were unsure of what the tournament rules were coming into it. Obviously, if you're building a list, it needs it does need to be clearly stated, printed on all your lists, so that, you know, A, that your opponents know, the ter- tournament organizer knows, but then, you know, B, you're not turning in uh, different lists, which that has been a problem with at various events if anyone has been on YouTube looking at 40K. <laughs> uh, you know, if you if you make two or three different versions of your army and then start handing it out to different people and you have different weapon items chosen or you know, different uh, Grand Alliance benefits or different battalion benefits. That's going to make a big difference and give you that leg up. It does. So, oh crap! So I actually have to only have one list. Apparently, technically, yes. Yeah, that's what this says. Okay. <laughs> well, I just went my whole strategy. Yeah. Mm. Well, I have the same issue running dispossessed. Is you know, does that mean I have to pick my grudge before the game? Or can I pick it when I get to the table? Because I think the rules actually say at the table, but whatever. Uh, move along. Must have five copies of list. One for you, TO, three for your opponents. I mean, duh isn't... I mean, <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I, I say duh, that should be standard, and everyone knows that, but how many people did we play at Adepticon, John, that didn't have lists for us? Didn't have lists, or didn't we get one that was a handwritten list that was just like chicken scratch? Yeah. Handwritten right before... Yeah, as you're starting your game, they're handwriting everything down really quick. Like copying just, it from their one list. Yeah. It's just insane. Um, your army does not need to be painted, it says. We are working on building up attendance. We feel this will hinder us in that department. This was the same as last year. Well, here's my thing. I don't, you know, AOS 2.0 might be pulling in new players. Might have a lot of new people in his area. I don't know. But, obviously, I prefer painted when we go to a tournament. That said, when you combine this with the second uh, bullet point right under it, so I'm going to go ahead and read that. Circle bases are highly recommended but not required. Next year, we will have a mandatory circle oval base policy, although we do require the appropriate base sizes be used. Any model in violation of this will be removed from the play next year. Terrain must be same dimensions as GW terrain, i.e. Sylvaneth Wildwoods, Nurgle, Naramaz, etc. Make these aesthetically pleasing. Do not use cardboard cutouts or felt. So... Obviously, next year they're looking at saying circles and ovals are mandatory. I assume next year, uh, if they're going that far, then they will also say that painting is required. That's the impression I've got as well. Is I think this is they're still trying to build up their community, right? And this is just a nice step to hey, let, let's get people in the door right now. And you know, frankly, I I agree with you, Joe. If we like Adepticon, that's always beat the the horse on them. But if we were paying fifty bucks. 
to play for two days, that I'd be a little bit more stringent about my, the, you know, hey, is everything going to be painted? But frankly, what was it, $10 for Saturday only and $20 for both days or something like that? I think it was, it was pretty cheap. Yeah, it was 20 and 10 I think. Okay. Chuck, opinion? I'm going to be the asshat. I think that you need to have three colors. you got to have a tabletop tournament ready army. At least three colors base. Circles are going to have to be mandatory. This is the second edition of the circle oval base uh, edition that we're in. I mean, it's been two to three years. Um, if you don't have an hour to prime and paint silver on a sword and do little dots for the eyes or paint leather on something, um, I... I don't know what type of a player you're going to be when you come to the table. you got to have some type of care of the game that you're playing. Wow. Uh, I think if somebody has plastic models and they're showing up, that's going to show me that they probably don't know the base rules. Or they're going to be looking to look at the book the entire time, and we're going to get through two turns. Um, maybe that's me being too cocky of a TO, but I just feel like people are going to give sort of a rat's ass if they're going to... Uh, bring something to the table that is uh, even has three colors. Doesn't even have to have washes. Primer can count as a color. I don't care. Just make it like, hey, you you put in two cents. You tried. You got your army here. It's two thousand points. Okay, it's tabletop ready. Let's go. Wow. Jo Sorry, Jody, I, did, did I you have... invite Chuck or who is this guy that's on with us today? <laughs> I have normally taken the, that other side of the coin, like, coin, like, hey, let's just have fun. But we're at Siege World. It is a it's a three day convention. They have an entire gymnasium of tables. I mean, if you're playing in your basement, that's fine. Proxy something, do whatever. But I mean, at least have the common courtesy of bringing something that three colors is not hard. You, you can spray paint. So you can buy there. spray paint for four dollars at Walmart. I'm sorry. You can you can buy spray paint for four dollars at Walmart that looks like bolt gun metal. Okay, that looks like that's green or that is primer. It is not expensive. I have painted almost two tables of terrain in less than a weekend. It can be done. Well, but what if you're just wanting to build the latest internet broken list like the Zinch guy last year who shot me off the table in a turn? <laughs> or John this year. Or John this year. <laughs> I, maybe that, then, then do that and go buy red spray paint and silver and brush it real quick dry brush everything i don't care but yeah. like show me some effort man yeah that guy's I... whole army was spray painted blue so <laughs> okay well he tried then more effort to him kudos well and a number of them weren't even finished being like assembled they were just lone discs <laughs> See, that's another thing you can't just like uh, it, don't be playing bases i played bases when i was like 10 years old it, it's time for that to put your models together and prime them and do something okay yeah. especially if other people are paying $15 and paying for a hotel and traveling three hours. I, you know, I, campaign, if you want to do a campaign and build up something in your game store, then do that. Uh, but make sure you're at 1,500 or 2,000 points by the time you get to your tournament, okay? Which people from out of the state are coming to. Fair enough. Right? Well, before Chuck started tirading, my, my whole guess on his response was going to be, good, that's more likely means I'm going to win best painting. <laughs> I did not see us going this way. We'll, uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay. Oh. All right, well, let's get off of that. Um, we got mean Chuck on the... I don't no know, kidding. Joe. I don't know if we can just walk away from this. I'm kind of <laughs> worried We can't here. walk through this episode no. anymore. <laughs> Walking away. All right, so players may select a realm from where their army hails. This must be clearly stated on your army list. 
Fair enough. That means we're using realm rules. Um, I don't well, think that's some a... of them continue. Well, I was gonna yeah, say, yeah, that's they, true. They kind of broke it down. They did indeed. Uh, spells yeah. of the realm will not be used, so they've knocked out the spells. Realm artifacts are allowed and are to be chosen from the realm that your army hails from. So they've opened up the realm artifacts from malign sorcery, which is fine. Yeah, uh, particularly with the FAQs. So, Realm of Battle, these will be used for each tournament round. Each wizard will know the Realm Sphere magic of that specific realm as found in the core rules. Realmscape features will not be used. Realm commands will be used. They will come from the specific realms from which you are fighting in for that particular round. Command Soul Force Sacrifice will not be used. Commands are not stackable, meaning you may not use multiple command abilities on any one unit during the battle round. So basically, this is just them saying, look, we're going to use the realms of battle. We're leaving out the features uh, because those are the things that change the terrain, and some of those get pretty wild. And then they're saying, you know, realm commands and realm spells also from that will be used, and they open up the realm artifacts. I got no arguments with any of this. Do you guys have any uh, thoughts there? Not really. I haven't gone through. I've looked at a couple of the realm artifacts, but I am trying to base my, my basic strategy for my... 1,000 and 2,000 point forces are not realm specific yet. Uh, I don't know how many tournaments are going to be utilizing realmscape abilities, features, artifacts, and that. Um, so I, I don't want to make my army dependent on a specific artifact or a command ability from uh, or spell uh, from that realm yet. So I am I'm looking and investigating it to see if it's worthwhile or not. Fair specifically to siege world no because this is pretty close in line with what we're seeing a lot of other tournaments do Mm -hmm. with regards to the realm rules i know some are opening up the spells i think my bigger concern is that with the realm artifacts in general there's such there's so there's a few that are no-brainer choices that you kind of get to the point where when you look at like the the battle tomb artifacts then you're like well why would i ever bother taking anything from my battle tomb when, okay, if I just go to the realm of Shaish, I'm picking up an ethereal amulet that makes my guy uh, ignore modifiers. I'm picking up yeah. this and that. <clears throat> so my my only problem is that with them in general is I think you're going to see a lot less variety because once the, the best ones kind of rise to the top and they're not FAQ'd out like we saw initially, I think it's going to kind of get – it might get a little stagnant. It's just me kind of being – kind of crystal balling a little bit but i think that's my only concern in general with the realm artifacts is that uh while it's good at first especially for armies like gutbusters like dispossessed that don't have their own dedicated artifact well dispossessed do but gustbusters don't um it's great for them but i think for armies that already have that battle tomb i'm worried if it's kind of an unnecessary crutch for them chuck I kind of agree with with what John's saying, Um, especially going to Gen Con, playing three games there. uh, I I did see some of the Destruction Armies taking um, the Ethereal Amulet, uh, you know, Umbrel Spell Portal, using Hand of Dust and things like that through it. Um, And then they would be from Shaiish, of course. But, um, you know, what is it, Lens of Refraction, that you can bounce Mortal Wounds back and forth at least once per turn. But D3 Mortal Wounds is a big deal. Can if you are casting yeah. the spell, same spell every turn, you're trying to do D3 for five rounds to kill a character like Nagash. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's going to prelude into redundancy, and we're going to see the same thing 
I agree. Um, there will definitely, and there are already standout yeah. items that will be chosen a lot. I don't know. I like the, the variety that it opens up, but you're right. I can definitely see it creating a stagnant area there. Well, and I think I'll give you guys one example with my own list that I'm working on for Siege World. Mm-hmm. There's an item in the Night Haunt list that will allow me, if I roll an unmodified six, to make my weapon a rend three on one of my heroes. Well, why would I ever take something that has a roll on it when I could just go to whatever realm it is? I think it's the realm of beasts, and I could just take the the weapon that automatically gives me the minus three. Oh, so yeah. there's no parity there between the two. I'm hoping I'm using that word right. But why, it just seems like it's making a lot of the battle tomb artifacts unnecessary because you frankly just go, okay, well, I know that realm has a better artifact. I'm just going to play from that realm, especially if I'm only getting one artifact. I mean, if you start having a stack, you know, two or three because you've got a battalion, what have you, then you're maybe going between your realm and your battle tomb. But if you're just taking one, odds are it's probably a better option in the... the the realm artifacts than there is out of your own book in many cases. You, you know what, uh, John? You know what that sounds like? What's that sound like, Chuck? A good way to sell malign sorcery. You know, I think you're right. Because <laughs> it's better than anything else out there. That is a so damn fair not, point. Uh, buy it so you can use the items, and I have a bunch of endless spells, and it makes my army a little bit better overall. Yep. Not that that's bad. I mean, it's good. But. No, and it's 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 good. I think in the short term, it's definitely good because it, it's giving every army and faction the uh, options that they don't have otherwise. Mm-hmm. I just worry in the long term, unless GW starts getting a little bit more creative with some of their artifacts, we're going to see it, it's some stagnation there. So now the realm sphere spells; those are the ones that we should be focusing on because that's where I think you can make her not the the list that comes out of malign sorcery, but just the the one that each realm provides, those are there's some doozies in there that we should be prepared for talking about Siege World. Well, they said they're not using them, didn't they? No, they did. No, they're they're not using the spells of the realm, which is the list that comes out of Malign Sorcery. But in the mm-hmm. core book, the, each realm has one spell that you get access to. They are allowing those. Oh, how wonky are those? Hmm. A couple of them are pretty. I wouldn't say they're wonky per se, but a couple of them are pretty decent. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to find I'm one. Go get now. <laughs> oh, I came prepared, so I'm I'm good here. So, for example, pale. Okay, if you're if we're battling in the realm of Shaiish, the uh, the the realm sphere spell. It's gonna take me a while to get that to say that right. Is the pale of doom, which is on a, a cast on a six, pick an enemy unit with eighteen, subtract two from the bravery of that unit until your next hero phase. So all your wizards automatically have it. Again, you can only cast it once per the rules. That's why I was checking with you guys the other day but great for a nice turn when you know you're gonna beat the hell out of them though right and you want to be able to get that bravery the uh what's the other one here wild form here's another one out of the realm of beast uh cast it on a friendly unit within 12 of the caster add two to the charge and run rolls for that unit until your next hero phase Mm. so i'm thinking like chuck you drop down nine inches if you've got the cog sitting in the back and you're fighting in the realm of beast you pep Put another two on there. Was it a plus four charge? No, I've I've got Gabriel Sherhart, buddy. Oh, um, so you got a, okay? So you got cogs. I, I have six plus two d six for my turn for one charge. <laughs> yeah, so I, I make my charge on a three. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. We get the point, though. We get the point. Yeah, I mean the the, the point being is that 
it's it's good to know that because that's something yeah. even like for gutbusters that that plus two could be huge if you can get all your bulls into to ch- into combat in one turn yeah right. could be so I think that's you know that's one of the things that I haven't seen a lot of talk about but these realm sphere magic I think that's that's kind of what you got to know going into a tournament that allows it because I think it really is going to have an impact I'll have to spend some time reading those tomorrow yeah all right moving on. Monstrous beasts from the realm of beasts will not be used. I am so disappointed. There's no end to my disappointment. We know you are. That's okay. I could bring a giant for everybody there. (laughs) (laughs) For all 14 tables. (laughs) Why? Why is there not loose monsters running? I love that idea, but that's one that's never going to get used, unfortunately. At least not in terms of bring a monster and just throw it on the table because... Some people will do something like bring a giant, and then some will bring something like the Carmine Dragon from Forge World. Yeah. I, I think you could see that being used in a tournament, but it would be something like me running a tournament where I literally just provide giants for every table there. <laughs> you know. I don't know. Um, you mean, you guys, it's, you don't want to be like the tournament this weekend where Destruction won because they ran two Magma Dragons? I didn't even hear about that, but I am unsurprised. Yeah, oh, yeah. what's the story behind that? They, uh, it was a pretty small tournament in the UK. I want to say it was like about 18 to 20 players, but there were some big names there. But the uh, Generic Destruction won in the end, and he had a, st- if, if I could be wrong here, but it was a Stonehorn and two Magma Dragons, and he had the Cogs. And so first turn, he's able to get both Dragons into combat each game and just steamroll through everything. Nice. So I've got those on order from Forge World. As well. Nice. <laughs> no, you don't. No. Do you? God, no, those things are expensive. That's a real oh. Chuck move there, John. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, but it, but see, if, if it was a real Chuck move, then I'd buy uh, two models from McFarland Toys for about <laughs> five bucks each and exactly. slap them out of base. They look like Magma Dragons. Moving yes, on. That's right. <laughs> uh, so on target. Endless spells are are allowed. Endless spells are allowed. Uh, No shock there. People really seem to be digging the endless spell thing. Yep. Chuck, do you have a comment in your list? I I do, and it did pretty darn good uh, Saturday. Uh, on the on terms of endless spells, even though the FAQ said you can only do it once, they have just flat out said hand of dust may not be used with the umbral spell portal. Yeah, I mean, you have to dispel the endless spell in order to recast it, right? I mean, isn't that the base rules? Well, I think it's more to do with the fact that the hand, given the hand of dust, that kind of range just makes it yeah. a beast to deal with. The, the issue was yeah. Nagash was opening a spell portal and knocking hand of dust through it across the board eight times. And so the FAQ, yeah. they said you can only cast hand of dust through the spell portal once a turn. Well, now they're just saying you can't use hand of dust through the umbral spell portal. Gotcha. Which, whatever. Yeah. I don't there play goes the Nagash back on the shelf. Yep. Uh, and that's what's going to happen to him. They're just going to keep FAQ on the things that make him nasty, and then people will just disallow it like this, and then you'll eventually not see him around again. At least not for a while. Uh, here's an interesting rule that I'm liking. All tables will roll on the terrain scenery table for the terrain that is not part of either player's army. Terrain war scrolls are not to be used. Wild woods will not block line of sight. So one of the things that like our local group does not do is they never use the terrain rules. Uh, most tournaments we went to in AOS first edition, 
either didn't use the terrain rules or they used them very sparsely. Like, you know, they would say, hey, in this game, all houses are haunted houses or all woods are this. But they never really rolled randomly for them. So this is saying you have to roll for your terrain when you get to the table every time, which can really, really sway the way a game goes. Um, also, Sylvaneth Wildwood's not blocking line of sight is a massive deal. <laughs> Thoughts? John, go. Frankly, I think that's the right call with the Sylvaneth Wildwoods because I could see it very quickly turning into just a miserable game where a player with an, enough of those kits is just flooded the table and you're not seeing anything. And even if you have modest shooting, it's just it becomes a game where they, they can bunker up and you're not doing anything for five rounds, theoretically. So I think that's the right call with the Sylvaneth. I just I hate the idea that you could basically do, what is it, the Palisade, but unlimited Palisades where you're just blocking line of sight if, if it's, as a Sylvaneth player. So I think that's a good call, in my opinion. Now, didn't they rule that the the Sylvaneth Woods, Wildwoods, act as normal woods where they block line of sight? In the FAQ, they did. I okay. believe so. With the FAQ, they, they did say that the Sylvaneth Woods would act like the normal GW Woods for blocking line of sight. Okay, now they won't. Now they're going to be special. Right. Yeah. And, and I get the I get Siege World's ruling on this because, like John said, you know, if you put a siddle, if there's a wild wood on the table somewhere, that's one thing. But yeah, when you play against a, a Sylvaneth list that suddenly drops another 13 woods on the table, that's just obnoxious. I was going to say, and they're already getting enough. The, the Sylvaneth players are already getting a number of advantages from those woods. So attacking on top of that, the fact that it's blocking line of sight for them, I think it's just that either they have to give them a cost or they have to do something to justify such a heavy advantage. I'm just going to say that in most of our games, I have just stayed away from terrain and shot, teleported or whatever. And so for the most part, like the negative one bravery or whatever penalty or advantage you get, I, I largely ignore just because I stay three to six inches away or I'm not in the building or... I don't know. I, I find it more of a distraction, another rule to double check. So it's better just to avoid and not have to remember. But the only exception being like the woods or like large buildings where it's blocking line of sight. That always, you know, is an issue tactically. I think, too, kind of going back to what we talked about at the beginning, I think this is also just another effort by the TO to make this new player friendly. Agreed. Because we, we know that a couple of the guys, and, and they're great guys, I talked to them online, and we met them last year at Seas World, play Sylvaneth, and they're hardcore competitive. Well, if this is your first tournament, or you're a newbie to the scene, and you hit one of those guys, and he suddenly surrounds your army with Sylvaneth Woods, and you're like, well, there's nothing I could do now for five turns, that's going to make for a sucky experience, especially in a community that's trying to grow. So I, I think it, it's, again, kind of going back to my earlier statement, I think it's the right call in this case, especially to make it uh, a new player-friendly environment. All right. Send all hate mail to Chuck at Twitter at ODT Gaming. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I I don't know. I just I think you should stay current with the FAQs that they have because we ran into an issue at Gen where Flat said that they were ignoring the new FAQ that they put out a week and a half prior, and uh, I just I disagreed with that because I felt like they were trying to fix that were currently going on uh, in the meta. And I had just experienced those meta issues at Midwest Belltown, which was a 57-player two-day event. Um, needless to say, I didn't fight people 
or play against people who had those meta issues because I was not on top tables. But the point was is that, you know, as a, uh, a game design, uh, the designers are trying to make it more friendly. And, and Games Workshop has actively, through online and by phone and whatever means they can, tried to seek the ways to mitigate those issues. So if we start making our own rules corrections and special packets and uh, or ignoring what they put out several weeks afterwards, then, uh, you know, what are the players to expect when they go to these events, which... You know, if you're in a big city like St. Louis, Indianapolis, or Chicago, the expectation is that you're probably going to run your game the way that the game design company is running it, right? Like, I'm not stretching right here, or am I? I think you're stretching. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you, Chuck, because I think what then you go down the path of doing is what we see with 40K, where everything has become so standardized with ITC format that nobody's willing to even budge slightly with things even like point sizes, because everything, it's always 2,000 point for ITC. And I'm not trying to knock the ITC, but the reality is that when you get that rigid with the rule set, you create an environment that can never really truly grow. It it always kind of becomes one path. And if you're not on that path, then people don't want to participate. They're not interested because it deviates from the norm. And I think if you don't have tournaments like Siege World or like Gen Con, where they're saying, well, no, for us, we're going to do this slightly different. Yeah. I, I think it's you, you are going to run into a point where it just kind of gets overly rigid and overly stagnant. It's not the right word. It's going to become overly uh, overly rigid and be kind of come like that you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Yeah. And I think with this kind of, like you're saying, with the, these rule tweaks and that, again, even looking at what Seed World's doing, I like it because it's it is different from everything that's come before it so far with second edition it's it's a two-day event but it's really one day uh, two one-day events i mean that's i like that sort of thing i like the fact honestly that they're not requiring painting this year because it does especially with the the, the, we keep forgetting too the new edition is only what a month old at this point Mm -hmm. so it's i think there's still time for growth i think there's still opportunity for change and experimentation kind of like college so it, I think it's a good thing that you know tournaments are willing to say, hey, you know, here's what we're going to do, and we're going to tweak it, with the caveat, of course, they've made that public well in advance of the event. I think nothing sucks more, and I think we'd all agree. Is you walk into an event and they tell you something like, well, if you don't have X, or you, you're not going to be able to win the third game of the tournament. I remember in the fantasy days there were situations like that where you'd walk in there like, well, if you don't have a battle standard bearer, you're not going to win the third, be able to even compete in the third round of the tournament. So it's like, well, I knew that before I walked in the door. Okay, no problem. Shame on me if I didn't bring one. But announcing it once you get there, it, I think it just it's too much of a negative impact. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I get that point of view. Right. Um, you know, it, each event is specific to, you know, what they want to cater to and makes it different. Got it. Yeah. Well, let's, we've harped on that. Let's move on. Measuring line of sight, measuring distance vertically, you use a volume from the base of the footprint as high as the model's head or torso, whichever is highest point, excluding limbs, wings, weapons, banners, etc. When determining line of sight, you use a volume from the base footprint as high as the model's head, torso, whichever is higher, again, excluding limbs, wings, etc. All measures horizontally will be measured base to base. 
In the event that a model does not have a base, you will measure from the bulk of the model to the opponent's base, more likely the model's torso or body. So basically this is using what a lot of gamers refer to as soup can me measurement, which... I never heard that. Huh. No. Well, it's... Makes sense. Yeah, it's basically like uh, your size ranking. So like an infantry model is size one. So regardless of what the model is, I know that it's height one and I can hit it. Something else is height. This is kind of the same concept. Like your model takes up exactly the amount of space cubically, et cetera, regardless of what the model looks like. So, I mean, it may, really, we've always done this just it's base to base. You just measure to the area of the base. I don't see why this really needed to be pointed out. But, I, I mean, I guess maybe some people don't play it that way. I don't know. That's my assumption as well. It's just that it's probably a local thing that they've experienced where people are arguing, well, I could see I could see the tail behind a wall or something ridiculous like that and trying to make the argument that that means they could target the model. So I, I think they're just kind of, in this case, covering their, their quote-unquote bases to, to make for a better experience for everybody. Could be, yeah. It could be them covering what they know is a local thing that gets bandered about. Yeah. I, yeah, because if you're measuring, like, let's say dispel attempt is 30 inches, if you have somebody on a higher base, like, or on top of a building, yeah, it, there's going to be, maybe, and this probably could have been brought up because somebody was trying to abuse the rules last year or the year before, so they've constantly had to reinforce it. Who knows? Uh, battle plans. There's a potential for all 18 pitch battle plans that could be used. <laughs> These will be chosen from General's Handbook 2018 and the Core Rulebook. Each mission will have the realm that you'll be fighting in on it. So you're looking at all 18 missions uh, as a possibility. Now, only three games. I mean, that's a hell of a pick. Hopefully they don't... I don't know. Like that, <laughs> There's a couple of those missions that are just... I mean, I get that they're in there, and they're they're technically like, this is match play valid, but they are kind of donkulous. So hopefully they stay away from those. Like, what was your big issue, Chuck? Was it translocation orb? Uh, with the scenario, yeah. I mean, with the translocation orb, if you roll the one or the six, it can bounce again, or it does bounce again, I think. Um, and so you could have the potential for your objective uh, going 24 inches in one turn into your opponent's deployment zone. And this happened to me twice in one game. One time I did get it, but then the second time he took the bottom of the turn and it went into his graveguard unit with 30 graveguard models and then... Uh, two characters right by it and then the you know it's just like i can't chew through 30 models that regenerate that you know and this was like turn four or turn three by the time you know when we had already ground out through three or four combats um it, it can be pretty rough I, I would think that they would try and limit this to like the new updated six uh scenarios that have been introduced or just the general handbook uh, scenarios or, or something else. Having all 18 is just, how do you prepare for that, you know? You don't. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, John? No, not really. I, I suspect they're going to go with some of the more basic ones, and they just, the the 18 is just so that people can't t to t tailor their list too much. Yeah, I hope they stick with some of the more basic ones, frankly, because I don't want to burn my brain every round trying to figure out some nonsensical scenario where things move constantly. Look, I appreciate that GW made 18 scenarios, but there are so many rules for this game right now in so many different places. It's a giant pain to just keep bouncing back and forth, looking at everything and trying to figure out all the interactions at once. It's Yeah, 
I mean, you've got three core books. You've got Malign Sorcery, your General's Handbook, your core book, your army book, if there's still one out there for you. I mean, you can select a realm. You can go through different artifacts, command abilities. List design can have inherently different synergies within it. Uh, and now you got to go through 18 battle plans and secondary objectives for this. Assuming those secondary objectives that you can roll on, there's 55 of them. What are your combinations after all that? Like one point some million? Yeah, God no. <laughs> hopefully they didn't. I, I like secondary objectives, but hopefully they don't, again, don't go picking like crazy wonky things or something. Move off to objectives and scoring. This is the last thing we're going to cover here. Um, well, this is the last thing in the rules pack that we're going to cover. I think John has some stuff to bring up afterwards. So objectives and scoring for unattackable, untargetable units. Models that can't be attacked or targeted, uh, or they are unable to score or contest objectives, i.e. the carry-on and changeling, etc. Um, objectives will be controlled or contested within three inches of the edge of the objective, which is a change I think the core rules say it's six, isn't it? I want to say it varies by the Scenario. battle plan, but... Yeah, but maybe I'm wrong on that. I'll have to go. Now I got to go back and look at that one. Um, I think it varies depending on the scenario. Yeah. Because I remember three and six, it depends on, on various things. So they're just codifying it. Objectives will be supplied by Siege World. This is something they did last year that I actually think we were all pretty happy with. They provided uh, wood burned, uh, basically poker chip sized tokens for all the objectives. That way there was never going to be an argument about, oh, I didn't realize that that thing you put over there was an objective or something. You know, it's like everybody's using the Siege World objectives. You know what they are. And um, you got to take them home at the end. Which was awfully convenient. Yes. Um, objectives will be controlled or contested by the number of wounds within three inches, not the number of models. I am 100% on board with this, considering that my thousand point list has nine models in it. <laughs> That is a fantastic change. I did not see that till now, and hats off to them, because I agree. For armies like Gutbusters, that, that's a huge difference. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, you, because it's in, I mean, hell, if you have 40 models surrounding an objective, and it's a 3-inch or even a 6-inch control zone, I might not even be able to get a do within 6 inches of it. Right. You know? Um, now you're saying, you know, like for Gutbusters, I got a unit of 4 or 5 ogres left, against 20 skeletons, well, I might be able to win that combat eventually, but those skeletons are going to hold that objective forever. You know, but now if you're counting my number of wounds, it's a whole different story. Now I got a chance to maybe snake it out of you a turn earlier or two turns earlier if I have a good round of combat. But, yeah, I'm I'm totally fine with this. I think having the smaller three-inch, uh, um, like, circle around your objective allows you to especially for like me and you Joe if we have a small unit of three to five models to keep the enemy models out of the radius of that circle if you can set up on the edge uh, and keep them at bay for one or two turns until they finally surround you it gives us more of an opportunity to hopefully salvage what we can uh, if we have like a horde style army we're fighting against yeah possibly hey Chuck how many uh, Grimgast Reapers would be considered a horde. I, you know, for me, because I suffer from the stormcast stigma, uh, anything over ten models is a horde to me. Okay, good. Or I was gonna have to keep assembling stuff. <laughs> You're Lord. gonna say that with no matter what number I said. <laughs> likely, likely. Going past that, we have the last page of the rules pack is Siege World Conduct Policy. Basically, just says you know, 
slow oh, play. We, we obviously discourage slow play, sportsmanship. You should not be Chuck. a hose bag. Uh, don't quit. Play your games Chuck. to completion. Uh, rules disputes. You should try and you know discuss them prior to calling TO. If TO comes over, their decision's final. List accuracy. Chuck. It's your responsibility to make sure your lists are accurate and review them during and before the games. It says miles can't be added to lists. Once this happens, miles of war gear will be removed. So I guess you know they're just, basically they're just saying for God's sakes, don't cheat. We'll take your miles off the table. Um, observing games. Feel free to walk around and observe games. Don't talk. Up to, <laughs> no table talk. Don't cheat. You'll not be tolerated cheating during events. You'll be asked to leave without refund. Intent during the game. Siege World has found most issues can be resolved if intent is discussed throughout the game, such as I'm going to roll to get my CP back prior to making my reroll, or I intend to do this here so you cannot see them. This will prevent many rules arguments. This is all basic stuff, so. Uh, unfortunately, in the post 8th edition 40k universe where every major tournament has had a sportsmanship catastrophe. No kidding. They. they they, they unfortunately need to do this. I don't think it's an AOS problem really aimed at the AOS crowd, but just, yeah. again, cover your bases. Pretty much. Though if they are streaming, I want to uh, just call out Chuck, and then I'm just going to call him every nasty name I can and just <laughs> cheat as much as I possibly can just to make a to make him the internet celebrity he wants to be. Well, I'm going to bring, like, 8,000 points and models so that each game I can add 1,000 points worth. And if they take them off, it's okay, because I'm playing inherently with more than what I already have. Oh, there you go. <laughs> can I just bring a third giant? Yeah. <laughs> no one will even notice. It's 1,000 points. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, so that those are the main rules. Now, John, you said you had a couple things that I guess you've emailed them about. Yeah, no, nothing really major. Uh, one of the things, just if anybody's checking out Siege World, to be aware of, is it is the same, fundamentally the same rule set for the 1,000-point tournament on Sunday. The rule set they have posted specifically spells out the 2,000-point requirements, but the, uh, for the 1,000-point, it's going to be the exact same thing, uh, with the exception of you're doing Vanguard-size armies instead of full 2,000-point uh, right. armies. So not a huge deal thing there. Um confirmed to because i know it's strange even though they have a post-it in the rules uh he was asked by a few different people about the whole painting and basing thing and it is confirmed he's uh, repeatedly yes your stuff does not have to be painted does not have to be based so uh, i don't know why people don't believe it when it's printed but it's there um the other only other fun little thing i was just going to throw out there is right now looking at the thousand point tournament the of the players signed up, we know there's one destruction, one stormcast, two Sylvaneth, one deepkin, and four night haunts. So, if you're doing any army planning, I would probably plan to at least face night haunts once during the thousand point. I'm assuming the two thousand point will probably have a similar breakdown because it's the same number of players for both tournaments right now. But uh, thought I'd share that little fun statistic or breakdown of what we're looking at as we go into uh, the next two weeks. That's what happens when GW makes a bunch of sexy new models. Everybody and their mom buys them. Well, it, sexy models that could be painted in about three seconds if you're willing just to prime them and uh, run one of the new technical paints over them. Yeah, technical paint, don't even need that. Just hit them with a damn wash. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, Not that I can say anything, because that's what I'm doing. Um, go ahead, Joe. Tisk, tisk, tisk. Uh, so uh, that's the rules, <laughs> and that's kind of what it is. So let's, I mean, do you guys want to go over your list, or do you not want to give it away before the tournament? 
I don't care. I'll share my because we all know I'm going to lose all three games. I could bring the most broken <laughs> net list out there. I'm still going to lose all three games. Right, you're zero and four, so you may as well be zero and seven. Exactly, but hey, hey, Chuck. At the <laughs> but the end of the I'm kidding. The end John, of Siege just... World. I, oh, I know yeah. you are, but I just want to point out at the end of Siege World. Yes. I'll probably be walking out with a medallion. Oh yeah, here we go. Best sportsmanship, and you'll have that. <laughs> That's right. right. We and know where like, this was oh, going. Fuck me. I knew we'd People get there. Love a loser. <laughs> so yeah, I, I actually wrote down in my show notes for this discussion. Give Chuck crap <laughs> about getting skunked last year. So last year, uh, all three of us went to this event. John walked away with best sportsmanship. I got best appearance, and Chuck got. The- God, I'm thanks like, for coming. Really, yeah, yeah, pretty Joe much. Joe got beat me for best painted. Or, no, you got best sports, didn't you? No, John got sports. I got appearance. Oh. The point is, you got nothing, and we all thoroughly yes. enjoyed that. That's, oh, that, that's just, fine. that just made the drive home so much more glorious. Because <laughs> usually I win, like, two trophies and walk out with medals clanking, and you guys are like, aw, no prizes. All right, why don't we just go ahead and smash out the list real quick. We don't have to talk about giant overarching strategies, but throw down the list real fast. Uh, I don't need magic items or anything unless you think it's super relevant and just kind of a three-second, like, this is my plan. All right, so for the 1,000 point, I'm going to start with the 1,000-point because that's what I'm more focused on. I am doing Death Knight Haunts, obviously. I've got uh, two heroes. I've got the Lord Executioner, and the Guardian of Souls, that's the, the new wizard guy. And then uh, for my Battleline units, I've got three units of Spirit Host and a 20-model strong unit of Grim Gas Reapers. I've taken the Executioner's Battalion, which I'll talk about in a second just to kind of break down what that is. And then I took the uh, Reaper of Shaiish, which is one of the new Endless Spells. It's the large sickle one. Uh, the whole strategy is that I am, with the Battalion, I'm buffing up the Executioner to make him hopefully an unkillable hero-slaying machine. And then using the uh, Guardian of Souls uh, to kind of keep the Spirit Host coming back. The uh, Grim Gas Reapers are a bit of a beast on their own. uh, But ideally what I'm trying to do is use Soul Cage to kind of control the flow of the combat. Since I have zero shooting in the whole list. Uh, I'm hoping that between the battalion and the units of that and then the big unit of Grimgast that I can kind of pick and choose my combats and then kind of control the order in which they occur through the soul cage. So that's kind of my breakdown. And then at uh, 2,000 points, it's going to be that same list with a Morngul, a uh, Archon uh, as an ally. So I've got uh, the, the Curse of Years spell to chuck around. And then I am throwing in uh, some chain rasp uh, guys, the the little 25 mil, I forget, always forget, but they're the, the other battle line unit that came with the Night Haunts. And then some of the uh, uh, more uh, Myramorn Banshees, which is the unit we talked about on my show a few weeks ago, which is the fabulous one attack, minus two run, D3 damage, but you can add attacks if you eat endless spells or unbind spells. So... I'm hoping between the casting and just eating spells that I can buff them up to do some damage. Wow! So you're bringing Forge World, huh? Yeah, just the Morn, just the Morn Ghoul. That's purely so that I could get enough points into the 2,000. I just had to find, uh, truthfully, find point sinks stuff that was expensive enough, and I wasn't going to buy a, that new $115 uh, black coach. So I just said, I've got a Morn Ghoul here. I'll just take him and take uh, Archon there, right there. That's 
almost 700 points. So more than fair. But, Chuck. Uh, so at the thousand points, my uh, list uh, has a Lord Arcanum in it, a uh, shooty Lord Venator, um, two units of Judicators, and a unit of Sequiturs in it. So the the point is to drop the Sequiturs down, turn one or turn two, depending on what I need, shoot Everblaze Comet so I can make the enemy come to me, try and get objectives where I need them, and then engage if I have to. So it's sort of the shooting list at a thousand points so at two thousand points i expand on that and i add in cleansing phalanx which is the typical um two units of evocators two units of sequiturs one of those sequitur units being 15 i can't get the 40 40 would be optimal or i'm sorry 20 would be optimal 40 would be ridiculous because you can't do that that'd be against the rules but again the, the same idea of shoot the comet have them come to me try and alpha strike or charge in the middle um, engage where I can, drop units down and try and take objectives and just stall for as long as possible, winning on points. Because that's the whole game. The game is point-based objectives, you know. It's not like wipe the table, you know, with your enemy. And there are some lists out there with Stormcast that you can do that with. I don't know the models, but uh, I don't think that really involves a fun gameplay for your opponent, you know. Nobody wants to remove all their models and, you know, drive three hours to do that for one game. Are you sure? I mean, I thought that's what it was all about. No, that's what your list is about, Joe. Why don't you tell us about that list? Well. <laughs> all right, so a thousand points. I'm bringing destruction. My original theory was I just want to bring two giants. Turns out giants are pretty cheap now at 160 points. However, the bone grinder giant, <laughs> as I gave John crap about bringing Forge World, is 400 points. So <laughs> in my thousand point list, I have two giants. One is a bone grinder. And then I have two units of three uh, ogre bulls and a butcher. That is a thousand point list right there. So seven ogres, a giant, and then the bone grinder. That list is Operation Grill. It is cross the table as fast as I can to get into combat to try and kill everything I can. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how that works. The two practice games I had with it, I played against a Skaven Pestilence and a Night Haunt army, and then the Skaven guy did manage to kill both giants. But the, I don't remember what scenario we were playing. It was one where if you controlled opposite objectives, you got like a bunch of points. So I ended up outpointing him, actually. And then the second guy, the Night Hunt guy, he, he, I didn't get my turn one charge with the Bone Grinder. He instead was happy enough to charge me, and then the Bone Grinder went to work. Uh, so the Giants, it turns out, in combat are actually pretty awesome. Uh, I may actually bumble my way into a victory or two with that list. The 2,000-point list, though, I'm taking my Dispossessed, and I'm not 100% sure exactly what I'm running. Uh, the The core of the list is going to be the same regardless. I got uh, one King, two Rune Lords, the Celestial Hurricanum, two units of 10 Warriors, a unit of 10 Longbeards, a unit of 30 Quarrelers, and then it's this last chunk that I'm not sure of. I'm thinking either 20 Iron Breakers and a 10-man Hammer or 20... Or, sorry, or 10 hammers, 10 iron breakers, and then using the Grand Alliance order and uh, taking the dwarf uh, battalion that lets me reroll all ones to hit. So the first yeah. list, like I said, would be dispossessed, so I would get a pick unit to reroll ones to hit against, or a specific type of unit, whereas the other one is just I reroll ones against everything. The difference being that. If I use the battalion, I have to like thin my units to even smaller groups to hit all the requirements for it. So I'm not really sure which to take yet. 
it's almost the same list I took last year. The difference is this time I put the Celestial Hurricane in it to make it harder. And this is, I started converting this thing like two years ago. And then I finally just finished it recently because I was, I don't know, I finally just pulled my hobby, you know, stick out of my butt and, and did it. So I want to use it. Plus it gives me access to magic and with the whole new endless spell thing, I'd like to see kind of what I can do with those. Although I don't have an endless spell on the list, but whatever. I think the Hurricane has potential, depending on like what you shoot. You know, if you buff the right, you know, if your unit that is buffed can take out the characters and doesn't allow for their characters to buff their hordes or their, you know, elite units, you could probably do well with it, you know? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, the, the Hurricane will make the... Corollers significantly stronger. Hell, it makes the whole army stronger. I mean, it gives everything plus one to hit. It doesn't care whether it's shooting or combat. Um, right, right. But with the the Celestial Storm thing that it does, and if it gets Common of Cassandora off, like it could do like 18 mortal wounds in a round on its own. Right. So it, it should make the army much stronger. Of course, I don't expect the Hurricane to live more than a turn or two. I imagine anyone with shooting will be uh, targeting that thing top priority, you know? Well, and sort of my thought process going through my list was, you know, do I want a bunch of things that have an 18-inch range and shoot, or do I want to be at 24 to 36 and shoot? So that's why I took mostly, like, Judicators for Core. Uh, the Everblaze Comet has a 36-inch range, and then the Knight Venator has a 30-inch range. So, you know, with those options, I could still, like, you know, move up five inches with Judicators and be able to shoot 29. 24 and 5 is 29. I can do math. Um, but it, it sort of helps me have a little bit more range for that effect. And then if I need to get in there and charge, I can send in evocators, sequiturs, or whatever I need to buff each other and uh, do the alpha strike. So, Yep, fair enough. So uh, let's go ahead and be stupid. How many players are we looking at, John? You, you had kind of a breakdown of what was coming. Right now I've got uh, on his list 12 players. We're right. both Saturday and Sunday. That's counting us? Yeah, that's okay. including us. 12 players. How do you think you're going to do? Honestly, at the 2,000-point level, I will be lucky if I eke out a single win. <laughs> I don't see it happening. Just, yeah, yeah, no. I mean, unless I go up against somebody that's completely brand new to the game and they're playing the completely new and don't know how anything works and not from a cheating standpoint, purely just knowing the rules slightly better, maybe. But yeah, 2,000 points, I don't feel like I have much of a chance. I think for me, again, the focus is really on that 1,000 points. I think at least at the 1,000-point level, I'm feeling comfortable enough that I could be competitive. I certainly don't think uh, highly enough of myself that I'll get more than two wins, if if that. But I at least feel like I'll be able to put up a, a bit of a good game. Whereas at the 2,000, I'm like, yeah, I'll be, I'll be getting the wooden spoon if they give one out. Chuck? Uh, with my list and the previous events I've been to, uh, I've gone either O, or I'm sorry, 1 and 2, or a very close 2 and 1. If I can do 2 wins and like 1 loss or tie, I think I might be able to get something, but no guarantees. It Honestly, if it depends on the scenarios, because here's just the simple fact. If you're playing in a scenario that requires those 2... Com- uh, two objectives to be controlled, or three, and it's heroes, 
and we've we're playing it at like a thousand points or even a two thousand point list, like places of our three places of arcane power or whatever it is. Um, if somebody snipes or takes out one of those characters early on, you may be playing for a minor win as, instead of a major. Or if it's the orb and it and it teleports, it's just it, it's more out of your control than what you think. And this is besides the fact that we already have random turns going on. So I feel like it's it's such a dice roll that you could have a crappy list walk in and go two and you know two wins and a minor. You know what I mean? And be three and zero. Oh. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I honestly you it's really hard to just guess what you can do. E- even if you take an over the top list for a thousand points or two thousand points, if they are playing, you know six objectives in every one of their scenarios, but you only have four units going in, well, you can't even control the objective. So if the opponent has those cheap skink units and they just sit on their side of the table and then drop something in on your side, all of a sudden they're accruing like eight points on turn two and then 12 on turn three and 16 turn four, even if you take out one of their units or completely table wipe them, you may not have been controlling those objectives at all. You're just killing, doing kill points. So who cares? They're going to win the, the war and you won the battle. The war is what's important. <laughs> I'm on board with John. I feel like I'm going to do better at 1,000 points than 2,000 points just because Giants. Um, yeah. Giants should always win. There was, uh, oh, was, I was listening to, I think it was the Honest War Gamer, and he was talking with a guy who was like, oh, the troll hag should make trolls battle line, much like you know the Fumir guys make it Fumir battle line. I was like, well, if you're going to go that far, have the bone grinder make Giants battle line. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> who doesn't want to fight the army of giants? Come on! Yeah, five giants in a thousand points. Oh, it'd be so tasty. I'd do it. You, oh, you already a- own the models. Of course, you do it. <laughs> in a heartbeat, I do it. I'd buy the extra I five to run them at two thousand. Hundred percent. I'd get a second bone grinder. <laughs> They're not cheap. So yeah, I think I think I'll do better at the thousand points than the two thousand points. Um, I, I don't know about placement. My guess is 2,000 points, I'll be middle to bottom half, and 1,000 points, I'll be upper to middle half. I don't know. Yeah. Rough guesstimates. So, um, so as long as both you and I walk away with something and Chuck's... Absolutely. Nothing out of two tournaments. You you 100% <laughs> bet. Uh, so I'll tell you what, you bring $100, and I'll bring $100, and we'll just bribe the TO. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Bye. Because <laughs> that's know. who's running it. I, I'm okay even with, you know, I don't have to win anything. As long as Chuck doesn't win anything, <laughs> we're good. God, we're terrible. <laughs> um, so that's it, guys. That's our discussion about Siege World. If you guys are anywhere near St. Louis and looking for something to do on the uh, weekend of 25th, 26th of August, get over there and sign up. There will be a link in the show notes to the website. I think Saturday was 20 bucks and the Sunday was $10. bucks. Uh, there's no... Uh, no entrance fee to Siege World proper. It's just the tournament fees. So $30 for a weekend of Warhammer. Come over, roll some dice, have some fun. Uh, say hi to us. You know, We'd appreciate uh, everybody showing up. I mean, it's, it should be a good time. We had a good time last year. The prize support was solid. I mean, it's, it's uh, from everything on their Facebook page, it looks like the prize support this year is just even better. So yeah, come yep. out, give it a whirl if you're in the area and you're curious. Um, John, Chuck, thanks for joining me for the episode. I really appreciate it. Thanks yep. for having us on. Thank you for having us on. Yeah. And uh, Chuck, we'll have you back next month to basically have a whole show to spiel all over FlatCon for you. That sounds great. I would love to do that. 
Let God 2018. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Everybody have a good one. We'll be back with you in next month. Shadow!